alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 113th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing uh, pretty okay, I guess, all things considered, Cody. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I hear you are cooking up down there yeah it's uh cooking a fucking storm out here it's about 115 right now so if you do hear my ac just kind of kick on i i cannot go with it not being on right now so you know what tripped me out that i found out this week so this girl i work with i can't remember the story like her father-in-law and somebody else won a hunting expedition in south africa or something and it's like 45 degrees during the day there or something, or at night. It's like really cold there at this time of year, which I thought was really weird. Like You thought it was weird that it's cold there right now? Yeah, like right now. Why wouldn't it be cold during the winter? Well, I didn't know it was the winter there right now. Well, yeah, if it's south of the equator, then that's winter right now for them. So Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on what part of the continent they are. But yeah, it's uh, it's winter time. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize yeah. it was uh, it would have gotten that cold, you know, in yeah. Africa, I guess, uh, or that in South Africa, I guess. Yeah, in South Africa, it's it's winter right now. Okay, they're they're pretty yeah they're they're pretty far down there too. Africa is a pretty big continent, so yeah, interesting. Well, what if the Earth was flat? Then that doesn't work. No, then then none of that works at all. No, then it just depends on, you know, what part of the flat Earth that the uh, that the light bulb happens to be over at the time. Right, the light bulb that kind of sw- swings around in the sky. Did when you covered flat Earth, did you mention the part where they don't think Australia exists? You mean Antarctica? <laughs> well, remember that meme I posted a few days ago, and is from a flat Earth group where they think Australia is fake. Oh, I thought I always thought it was Antarctica. They thought was fake. No, it's probably that too. Any any uh, country with an A name, they're not going to have it. Well, the thing is, they all looked at those the maps of the Earth, like the flat maps, and they saw like Antarctica down below, and it looks like an ice wall because that's how on a if you take a globe and you flatten it out, basically the continent on the southern. You know, the southern pole just looks like a giant wall. So they thought that's what it, it must be. It must be a wall, like an ice wall. Mm. Well, maybe one day they'll, uh, when we have like interspace travel, they can finally mm. see for themselves that the uh, Earth is in fact not flat. Uh, quick question here before we get in to this uh, hardy episode you have planned for us. is Are the citizens of Phoenix getting amped up? For the Arizona Cardinals football, um, I guess as much as we can, you know, we have a decent team this year. 
It's uh, we'll see. We just picked up who did we pick up? We picked up another guy from Houston in the offseason. So, gonna see how he does. JJ Watt, JJ Watt, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, the the Vikings, they've <laughs> brought in a lot of people. I don't know, it seems like they've get they have a shitload of free agents and stuff. So, I think they're yeah. hoping for a big year for everybody. Yeah, looks like they pick up a lot of uh, past their prime veterans, hoping to squeeze the last little drop of success think, out of these you guys. You think Pat Pete is past his prime? Patrick Peterson? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what um, what the Arizona Sports Radio that I listened to, they were talking for the past couple of years about, you know, maybe trading them, getting something else out of them. But yeah, he went out on the free agency market this year, so... I will be curious because reading between the lines of his quotes that I've seen recently, I don't think he liked the coaches or maybe even the owner of the Cardinals very much. Yeah, he still thinks he's a uh, big star, big contributor. He's He kind of got left in the past with, you know, Kyler Murray and, you know, uh, the new team they've got built around Kyler Murray. So, and their defense has been the worst part of the team where it used to be the best part of the team. So. Are are is everybody sold on Cliff Kingsbury? I hear mixed yeah, things. I hear mixed pretty things. Much, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. You know, uh, your boy Nate Stanley still yeah. f- uh, still f- uh, flinging that ball around for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, they need to. Uh, well, hopefully he gets the uh, the starting role eventually <laughs> over your boy Kirk Cousins because they need a spark there. Nate Stanley's going to take over the quarterback role and he's going to steal Kirk Cousins' wife, Julie, and the kids. Yeah, I don't know about that second part. (laughs) Maybe Nate Stanley, uh, he's kind of got this forever child face. Uh, He's got one of those, like, constantly, like, the baby face. Everyone always made fun of him because he looks like a toddler. So I don't think um, he's Christian enough for Julie. Julie Probably only not. likes very Christian men, so I don't yeah. know if he I don't know if he can handle that. But anyway, Phil, let's let me have you take the reins, take us on a journey. I you I've heard rumors that you have a beefy boy today. It is this first part is going to be a little bit longer than usual, I believe. So we'll oh, have yeah. to see how it goes. Let's so. do it. So to start this off, Cody, let me ask you just a couple of questions. The first one. When was the last time that you really left your house without bringing your cell phone with you? Oh, boy. Is this intentionally? Uh, Intentionally or unintentionally, just when you just kind of left the house and didn't realize you didn't bring it with you. Um, I'm sure I have recently just because if I was just going to a store that's nearby. But usually I don't even do that because my cell phone turns on my Spotify in my car, which I then listen to instead of the radio with a million advertisements. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, I do sometimes go to the store and I'll just, if I'm just kind of going to be out for a few minutes, I might leave mine at home too. So I was also going to ask you, what year do you think was like when you first got your, like what you could actually call a real like smartphone? Like with internet and everything on it, like what you have right now. Um, I'll say this: I was definitely behind the curve on this. Mm. I think if I had to take a wild guess, I would say maybe like 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. How about you? 
Yeah, that's the same. That's about the same time I got my first one was when I was, I believe it was when I moved to England for the Air Force was about 2012 when I got my first actual like not dumb phone. (laughs) So yeah, it kind of plays a little important role, kind of like how things have changed really quickly in the past like 10 years. Right. Absolutely. So we kind of forget that. Like this whole, like all, like everyone having smartphones and like cell phones with the internet, all of that's kind of changed in the last, like maybe 10 to 11 years. Yeah. It was a lot more difficult to watch porn at work uh, without your smartphone. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> for the last decade or so, the prevalence of the smartphone and the ability for all of us to have the internet on our person at all times really seems to have changed completely along with society with the time between new game changing innovations becoming shorter and shorter making life for all of us who had came up during the so-called before time really just unrecognizable as compared to right now yeah yeah absolutely now i think i don't know if i mentioned this on the show before but i feel like i'm very cognizant not to use the terms like when I was your age, okay? Yes. Because I've I thought since we were younger and people would say that to us, it was so cringy kind of. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just accept kids are born with access to the internet, and I think that's great. And unfortunately, the byproduct was that you and I had to try to download porno pictures on dial-up internet, which, <laughs> look, you can stream a full video you know, full 20 minute porn movie in like 10 seconds now, man, it used to take like an hour for (laughs) like a somewhat good quality porn picture or just like a nude photograph. Uh, but, uh, so thank God for internet speeds, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. You know, we were kind of born in that weird area where we were turning 18 and, the cell phones were kind of coming into the picture, right? Yeah, we were born in kind of a weird, like, between time. We came, or like, when we were teenagers, people started having computers in their homes. Mm-hmm. And then when we graduated high school, people started having cell phones in their pockets. Right. I mean, not so. good computers, but they still were no. able to play Diablo 2. Yes. Yeah, you could <laughs> barely play, like, Windows 98 barely worked on it, so... Dude, I played so much fucking Doom on there. Holy shit. Doom and StarCraft. I played a lot of StarCraft on the yeah. uh, old family PC. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of, yeah, the StarCraft and the Sims game. Oh, played yep, a lot of that. Yep, yep, yep. Now, of all the changes to society that really has come about, the smartphone revolution has brought about maybe like the most important thing. Really being able to just look up any answer to whatever question you may have on Google or Bing, if you're like that kind of person. Girls. Uh, watch, yeah, watch any like shared videos on YouTube, stream television and movies on like one of the countless streaming apps, or listen to your music or favorite podcasts, probably on Spotify. None of that has really had the impact on business the way average people live their lives as much as what we will be discussing today though. And that is the evolution of the shared economy, bringing people together in ways that would be wholly unthinkable just a decade ago. 
really breaking down societal barriers that have existed since the introduction of stranger danger in the 1980s and the prevalence of serial killers in the last century. So are you are you saying that 20, 30 years from now, we might have like a, I don't know what you want to say, shift serial killer or something like that? We may realize that there's maybe some of these things actually could be being used for crime that maybe we're like too far in the bubble right now to see maybe in like 20, 30 years, we'll notice it kind of like how people didn't realize that hitchhiking was a big method for serial killers when everyone was doing it back in the sixties and seventies. Right. Right. I mean, very true. We could have the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. DoorDash damsel. I don't know. (laughs) What's a D word you could use for like, a murder thing. I don't even know. Like, the, just call him the DoorDash deliverer or something there like that. There you go. <laughs> like, it Devourer. does. Like, you could do the shipped slasher, maybe, or like mm. the Grubhub <laughs> grappler. Grubhub <laughs> grover. Something like that. There you go. Instacart <laughs> annihilator. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you want to call it. But yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, the shared economy, which is going to be pretty much the big topic for our two-part series this and next week, has turned the old business-as-usual models of paid conveniences on their collective heads, making the need to have a massive organization and an endless supply of employees completely obsolete for many different businesses. Uh, They are really just kind of starting to have mounting losses and bleak futures, these are by companies that are really kind of like changing the game right now. They're spreading out the risk of ownership. They're creating a class that are more like subcontractors rather than paid employees. Really, in turn, they're making themselves their own entrepreneurs, or at least that's kind of what the plan was. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm sure you're going to go into it. I, would say, I wouldn't call it that's the plan. I would say that's the ruse um of the what allure of these businesses right you're like hey i can work my own hours i can decide when to make my own money but it's not always that simple um yeah it's a it's an interesting i don't know interesting job market i guess you would say yes Uh, i i don't know if you can talk but i have seen some states trying to force some of these companies to pay their workers at least a minimum amount. I'm sure Jeff Bezos is totally going against that. <laughs> so that's actually going to be mostly like next week's. Okay. Episode. All right. A really Wait, big part. Is he considered, is Amazon considered in the shared economy? No, not at all. They're, okay. They're pretty much the, uh, they have a top down structure. I was going to uh, say the demigod up top. And uh, I actually read a really good article about Jeff Bezos and how he basically treats all of his employees like they are machines, like lazy machines, basically. How he doesn't want anyone to be able to get off of the factory floor, the the warehouse floor. So no one has like long-term, you know, employment. He wants everyone out by three years because he considers all like long-term employees lazy. So... Yikes. Sucking off the teeth. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. You know what? Uh, speaking of evil people, um, so I took a personality test today, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because those are kind of fun. And I found out I'm 
allegedly what they would call an archetype personality. And uh, the celebrity, or I guess the famous people that I <laughs> are also that personality type are either villains in movies or uh, Michelle Obama or uh, Vladimir Putin. Oh, nice. He's kind <laughs> oh, of yeah. an administrator. Really, if you look at it, like down to the, his core, he's kind of an administrator, mm. you know. So. Elon Musk is on there too, but I don't know if I like him that much. Yeah, he's kind of a big picture guy. Yeah, uh, try. He's a, that's the thing is he's like a small picture guy, but he's kind of stuck in this big per, like big picture role. Right. So he has to spread himself out pretty thin. But I mean, that's pretty good company, except for Putin, maybe. But I I'm gonna say this quick. I'm gonna give Musk credit right now because i was not aware that their company was not accepting bitcoin as payment strictly mm. because of the amount of uh what would they call it waste the, that it yeah takes the to, impact on the environment or the yeah. impact on the environment yeah yeah so uh shout out to you elon that is uh that's awesome thank you for doing that yeah definitely yeah, I'm not really too looking too big into it, but I figure those bitcoins and everything are probably just going to fail in the next couple of years anyway. <laughs> so, or they're going to take over and be our only money. That's the Could only be. two things. Could be. Now, for this first part of our look at the shared economy, we are going to highlight a company that has revolutionized the hospitality industry, and that would be Airbnb. Now, Cody, have you ever stayed in an Airbnb? Oh, yes. Um, I've only rented one myself once, I believe, but I have stayed in them with other people uh, a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Would you say your experience with them has been generally good? Yes, absolutely. Or, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. We're going to be looking at a couple of people who did not have great uh, okay. Airbnb, either oh, hosting yeah. or guest experiences today. Yeah. I have actually, I've stayed in Airbnb once where I was the person who actually set it up and a couple of times where I was someone else's guest. And uh, I would say I've had pretty good experience. Okay. All right. To start off today's episode, we have to go way back to the wee old days of 2007 Ooh. to two roommates who were just looking for a clever way to pay their rent, in their San Francisco department. They decided to host three guests on the floor of their apartment for a large design conference in the city. Uh, this design conference had booked up all of the hotel rooms in the city for months. Now, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia were graduate students of Rhode Island School of Design, and they had decided to put it out there to people coming to the conference via email that they were going to be hosting three guests on air mattresses on their floor. And they would also be willing to take them around the town and to really give them the local experience. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, good idea. Um, yeah. I've remember those hippies on bikes who used to come through uh, Cresco. Yes. Uh, the the Ragabri. Yeah. Yep. They yep. did. They did not pay to stay anywhere. I think that you were supposed to just allow them to either stay in your home or sleep on your front lawn, like hippies do. Well, they 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 should have asked first. But yeah. yes. Yeah. They were basically staying in people's yards and shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they all had tents and all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, they were really good for the town economy, though. They they spent a lot of money on beer. So Very true. Now, the two entrepreneurs didn't really know what kind of responses they would get. But as it would turn out, they would get emails back from a lot 
of interested conference goers, really just trying to find a place to stay and thought that they really might have something on their hands here and decided to form a website, this airbedandbreakfast.com and launch the company. They first launched at South by Southwest in 2008. This was along with a third co-founder, former roommate of theirs and friend, Nathan Blecharczyk. I said that name completely wrong, but <laughs> now they only really ever had two guests at South by Southwest in 2008. And that was actually one of them being Brian Chesky himself. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So, so not very successful right off the bat. Okay. Now South by Southwest, I'm not entirely sure, but it's like a expo kind of, correct? Kind of. Yeah. It's in okay. Austin, Texas. It's okay. uh they have kind of like now a lot of it is technology and stuff like that, but it's kind of like like what big things are coming up. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yep. I, I saw a wine vineyard, I believe it was, or something like that that was called North by Northwest, uh in oh. Minnesota recently. I I think it was a uh, was it a wine vineyard or a craft beer place? I couldn't remember. It anyway. might be craft beer considering I don't think a wine vineyard would do very well in minnesota so you'd be surprised they do exist i don't know how they exist but they exist maybe in a greenhouse or (laughs) in someone's hopes and dreams could be now during the summer of 2008 the trio decided again to relaunch their company and this time it was at the 2008 democratic national convention in denver colorado now this is also home of course to the demonic airport which has nothing to do with this they were hoping to find success at the event as all of the hotels had been booked to capacity. Now, really, the big problem was that their website was still extremely small and not making a lot of money for itself. Now, this prompted the three to actually sell boxes of rebranded cereal out on the street. Uh, These actually came with a limited edition number and information about their company. The theme cereal was of... uh, the two political party candidates, they were Captain McCain's and Obama O's. Dude, that is awesome. Yes, I, I awesome. do I do believe that they should have actually sold Satiros. Yeah. Maybe with a uh, a reptilian on the front cover of the, the cereal. <laughs> I'll post what the Obama O's cereal actually looked like. It's kind of funny looking. So. Okay, should it be Satiros or should it be Satiro O's? Satiro O's? Yeah. Probably Satiro's might work. It was just the, it was circle that had the, you know, the, the circle shape, that donut shape to it. So. Gotcha. Uh, honestly, that's pretty, pretty sweet. I would, uh, I would tr- definitely try some Obama O's. It might be a cool thing, like little thing to have now. If it comes with a limited edition number, it might be worth some money if you held on to it. Yeah, I bet it would, especially where it came from. By the way, God damn. Why do these, I don't want to say hucksters, but like these types of people will just like do the most weird shit to like get their name out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that, you know, they're just always trying to promote themselves. Uh, Like social media was kind of in its infancy at this time. I mean, it wasn't as big as it is now. It's just starting off. I think Facebook was, you still had to have a college email to use Facebook at this time. So. Oh, okay. You're right. You probably did. Yeah. MySpace was still the big thing, pretty much. Oh, yeah. So this very small 
but effective guerrilla marketing idea would actually net the company $30,000 for their website. So kind of a successful little weekend for them. Not bad. It's a lot of Obama O's. Yeah. Now, along with the pretty sour reception that the website was getting, this small company was having a really hard time getting major investors on board. They saw early meetings with angel investors not doing too well at all. They were either being completely ignored or turned down flat. And this was from 14 of the 15 early investors that they had really just tried to get on board. Uh, This was in part due to the fact that no one really wanted to get past how this company was still basing itself around just kind of a person putting air mattresses on their apartment floor and having strangers stay in their living spaces with them there. Being like someone's host, almost like your, you know, it's like a hotel and travel guide all kind of like put into one. You can understand you come from like the true crime background. It sounds like just a terrible idea. Yeah. Especially when you're paying to go to a stranger's house to sleep on an air mattress. Yes. I don't know. That sounds kind of uh, scary. Yeah. If you're going to fucking cut me up and do all sorts of horrible things, at least have like a real bed for me to sleep <laughs> in. That's not a, not the air mattress thing. Um, here's the thing. I just remembered uh, one of my friends did stay at a like, how can you say? It was kind of like a desperation Airbnb. And even though oh, the, the owner was nice, they said they got, like, serial killer vibes from it. Yes. So we yeah, should... there are definitely some stories uh, that I ran into on that kind of stuff. Okay, so it does happen. I'm sure the guy was nice. Maybe he's just kind of weird. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, I do remember that now. But, anyway, continue on here. Yeah, so, I mean, there are – I mean, we'll go into it later. Kind of like when this all started, it was really just – people like normal people who had a little bit of room to spare that were hosting people on their, you know, floors with an air mattress. And luckily now it's kind of turned into what it is, but that's also had like kind of bad impacts on society and the economy. So, right. Now I did say that 14 of the 15 investors showed little to no interest. However, there was uh, one investor, the 15th angel investor, whose name was Paul Graham who did show some interest and actually invited them to join what's called the Y Combinator, which is a renowned San Francisco startup accelerator program. Uh, They actually spent three months there learning about how to create their business and kind of form the idea of something that would eventually become profitable. Now, the Y Combinator is a company that offers advice and expertise to struggling startups like with some like real potential, but they will ask for a small slice of the company. Right. I was going to say they're definitely, if yep. they're doing this, they want like a percentage. They're not doing it for free and your company has no money. So right. right. I want to, I want a little piece of that company. Yeah. Right. Now in 2009, they actually dropped the name air bed and breakfast, which is kind of what they were going through at the time and just went by the simpler name Airbnb, now, giving their company a major rebrand while also dropping the idea that it was more than just simply an air mattress on the floor company. Uh, this kind of actually hurt, like I mentioned before, their prospects with invent- investors previously. They would eventually actually expand really into the short-term rentals of full homes and apartments, also adding what they called a $1 million guarantee This was to protect the property, hosts, and guests, 
And this was due to really just, I mean, filthy guests, filthy hosts, just a horrible experience, you know, canceled bookings, whatever. They would put out this $1 million guarantee to protect everyone. Gotcha. Okay. I feel like that doesn't exist anymore. I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll kind of get into that. Okay, how all right. That one million dollar guarantee isn't exactly guaranteed, right? Like as you would imagine. Okay, so. I'll wait patiently for that. Yeah. Now you see, the original idea was that the company would be part of what is known as the sharing economy, with space on the floors being rented out mostly in urban areas during important events when staying in a hotel either wasn't an option or was so jacked up due to high demand that it simply wasn't feasible to even stay in the shittiest of Pittsburgh Motel 6s, <laughs> which is, of course, the home of the original myth for HIV on the toilet seat. Mm, I remember that one. I yes. remember that. Anyway, but, anyway, yeah. continue on here. <laughs> so getting back. So it wasn't until they started seeing themselves as more of a stay, short stay rental website and app that the company would really start bringing major investors on board skyrocketing themselves into really what it is now, a multi-billion dollar a year business valued recently at over $100 billion after their stock went public in 2020. Just last year. Yep, just last year they took their stock public. It was kind of a weird time to do it too because they did it during pandemic yeah. when everyone expected them to be doing terribly. Yeah, yeah, yeah very true. Unless they did it simply to get more money. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it definitely raised their valuation. Uh, yeah. So really, this took them past uh, the space sharing platform into the business of privately owned rental properties. Also, really just had a drastic effect on the economies of cities and countries around the world. Also, finding possibly unforeseen consequences of hosts, really who are just trying to make a quick buck via some extremely shady business practices and also guests who have treated host homes like an 80s rock star would if they were just put up at a suite at the Pittsburgh Embassy <laughs> Suites. I would say, I'm just going to guess here, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 95% of the users of Airbnb can respect the people's homes that they're staying in enough to not trash them. But that yes. one, that 5% there... They will make up for all the rest of the people by fucking shit up, especially if they're from Pittsburgh. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's kind of sad to say, but it's obviously if Airbnb was like if everyone treated the Airbnb hosts living spaces like this, it wouldn't be a thing anymore. So it is just a very small percent that are causing these problems of hosts and guests. Right. But yeah, when when someone does do something bad, it is fucking bad. And you'll hear it in those like stories coming up. So I've heard if you rent an Airbnb in Pittsburgh, like before you leave, they would like you to shit on the floor. So then they know <laughs> that you have left the premises. So they, they know like you'll enjoy the place. Yeah. yeah don't. Yeah. That's yeah. like their Don't version worry, of just a, shit next to the other shit on the floor. That's basically. that's like their version of a five-star review on the Airbnb <laughs> app. Oh, man, he took a shit on our floor. He must have really liked staying here. Yeah. Oh, man, they must have had Indian food last <laughs> night. Yeah, they, uh, they liked our recommendation. <laughs> now, like I just mentioned, in 2020, Airbnb went public, 
and was given an evaluation of over $100 billion. This had come a really long way from them being turned down flat by most of the investors that they had tried to gain interest from. Uh, they kind of really did find themselves as the leader in a whole new market that they alone had revolutionized. The $100 billion valuation is far more than their previous private evaluation in 2017 of just $31 billion. So in three years, they grew by $70 billion in the eyes of investors. I mean, that's what I would say is some pretty healthy growth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That line is going straight up in the sky. That's what? 300% uh, increase in value? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Now, like I mentioned before, while most of the travel industry saw a vast decline during 2020, this was due to COVID lockdown and fears of travelers having to stay in uncleaned hotel rooms, Airbnb actually fared much better than their competitors. Now, this was mostly because those who were willing to travel during the pandemic were a lot more likely to stay alone in a house or apartment by themselves rather than a lockdown room in a hotel room with vast restrictions on movement and little to no hotel services that they were still expected to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know for sure, but I am I feel like I remember Airbnb installing some sort of requirement for the homeowners where they had to like uh supply the homes with uh sanitizer and stuff like that i think i feel like i remember hearing that i don't know if you read any of that yeah they i mean i did read some of the things on really mostly on like the host to kind of make sure that the the home was clean yeah and kind of like the host responsibility was to have some of that stuff there the guest responsibility was to kind of socially distance yeah and not have like a party at their house yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that i mean yeah that could have led to a problem but uh but yeah it's uh i i don't i now that you bring that up i remember hearing about airbnb but i don't obviously i didn't use it during that time but uh yeah. Anyway, continue on, Phil. Now, according to Airbnb's website, as of March 2021, over 900 million guest stays have happened through the website. Uh, this has happened through about 4 million hosts that have rentals through Airbnb, with about 5.6 million active listings as of September 2020. Now, the past decade has definitely seen Airbnb prosper. They have the highest brand recognition among their competitors in the like rental home sharing uh, companies. This is much like Kleenex for tissues, Q-tips for cotton swabs, and COVID for just plain not feeling well. <laughs> ah, there you go, Phil. Anyway, so now when you say website, this includes the app, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly app. It's okay. so it's mostly app based right now, but it started off as a website. It started right. off as airbedandbreakfast.com. Gotcha. Now it's everyone just kind of thinks of it more as a an app on their phone. Right. So Right. Okay. So that's what I was making sure because I've never known Airbnb outside of the app, although I'm you know positive you can use it on a web browser. Obviously, yes. because there's plenty of old people who cannot figure out <laughs> how to use the app. But uh, but yeah. yeah, if they ever got on the app, they'd probably accidentally put themselves up in like five Airbnbs yeah, across probably. the world. 
Your five yeah. Airbnbs at each corner of the globe are ready for you, Gladys. Shit, Marta. Now we have to go to Italy next week because <laughs> I don't know how to cancel this. <laughs> now, though it may have really been seen as a joke 10 years ago, Airbnb is serious business now with the little company that could not only taking up the excess business from the spillover from all the hotels and motels. Now they're really just challenging the business model directly. They're offering services to hosts and guests around the world, which only works because of the app's ease of use and the rise of the gig economy, which sees normal people wanting to go into business for themselves, using the internet really to connect to a whole new world of customers. Right. Now, this is also kind of has a problem because the more customers it's bringing to the good people, it also brings more to the bad people, though. Yeah. 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 That's... uh. <laughs> Story old as time with humanity, I would say. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how Amazon, they have those books online. And a lot of serious authors started to see that you could, it was a good way to sell your books. And then all the scammers went on there and they would write their shitty little books that had all the spelling errors just to try to make a quick buck. Because yeah. everyone thought that Amazon books, they must be, they must be good books. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's not as bad, but Prime Video, I'm pretty sure some really amateur people can put their horse shit on there. Oh, and definitely. either charge or put it for free. Yeah, some of those documentaries that we were reviewing when we first started the Patreon yep, series right there. were pretty fucking uh, pretty lowbrow one-star bullshit. Yeah. So. Woo. Oh, shit. They're, they were good for a laugh. You got to give them yes, that. Yes, definitely. Especially the religious ones. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the story of Airbnb isn't all warm beds and out-of-town sex. Uh, really, many of the site's users and hosts have had absolutely terrible experiences. This was also little to no help from the company's customer services. Finding that that million-dollar guarantee that the company pushes isn't always without caveats and usually only comes when the victim goes to the media, really threatening to expose problems with the site's model. Yeah, that'll act, that'll uh, that'll usually do it. That's it, it's funny. The corporate world will put up that iron curtain, right? Yes. Uh, protecting themselves from even giving anybody a dime. But the second there's like bad publicity to be had, ooh man, they they'll they'll open right up. Yeah, the second that shit pops up on CNN, all of a sudden the doors open up. Right. Like, whoa, whoa, we, 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 we needed just some time to help you. It's such a bureaucracy here. We just, you know, but now we're all over it. So don't worry. It's going <laughs> to, you know, also, could you sign these non-disclosure acts for us? I, uh, I, I always remember Best Buy, right? They, they had certain policies, especially like those plans they would sell you. Yes. And they'd be pretty hardcore of not budging from that. And sometimes people would literally take Best Buy to court. And I did see them lose the battles in court a few times. Kind of interesting. So they'll fight yeah. to the bitter end sometimes. They will, because it's it's a lot cheaper to put someone through hell in litigation than it is to actually stop screwing people over and getting that money. Right, right. Yeah. It is weird to think about someone going to court. I don't know how much they paid for everything over like an eight hundred dollar laptop. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit insane. Anyway, continue on. It's but. it's to scare the other people who are getting fucked over to not want to also sue them though. Right. Because they'll 
it shows that Best Buy will put you through fucking hell over nothing. So Right, exactly. Now, the next part of this episode is dedicated to the horrors from different hosts and guests. These were all posted on a site called AirbnbHell.com. <laughs> Sounds like a pleasant site. Well, yes, hold on. What is. if what if this was actually like a website where you could like vacation in hell? That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, you river stitching, just uh, <laughs> kind of hang out there on the water, little uh, little cabin. The owner, you see the owner's picture, and it's just like a demon with like seven cocks on his face or something. And it's just like <laughs> he's nothing but five star views. He has the comfiest beds beds in hell, perfect yep. air conditioner. What more could you ask for? Yeah, that was actually the first time I stayed in Airbnb. It was actually in a, like a, it was pretty much a small mansion out in Chandler, Arizona. And we were staying there with like a big party of people. And I woke up in the morning and was talking to some of the other, you know, the people, well, basically the people who had rented it for everybody. And I told one of the guys, I was like, dude, you got to help me take that bed I slept on last night and strap it to my car. Because it was the most comfortable bed I've ever slept on. I really should have <laughs> taken a picture of like what brand it was or like what the tag was. It's rich people beds, Phil. Yeah, exactly. Probably was like a fucking $8,000 bed. Uh, but Before you get in these horror stories, I got one thing to say. I, I remember I was looking for an Airbnb. Uh, mm-hmm. God, it was fucking forever ago. And in Minnesota, I was looking for one and... They there's this one guy I'll never forget this. It was literally like he was renting out like this BDSM sex dungeon room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Like the pictures just had like all the toys and stuff, and I guess people who are into that could like rent it and go stay there and do whatever they wanted in there. And it was really weird. Kind of was it like was his that. profile picture him in a gimp mask? I don't like, remember, but it was just like you have all these like nice apartments and shit you can stay in, and then that like BDSM sex dungeon room comes up, and it's just very <laughs> out of place. Uh, anyway, wow, it, it, just... it was pretty funny. All right, that's a little weird. Now, the first story I'm gonna read is titled Airbnb Fraud Let's Unsuspecting Guests access our home uh this was first posted on airbnb hell at may 13th 2021 so pretty recently okay juicy title yeah my husband and i own a house out of state that has been vacant and on the market for over a year now the other night our neighbors contacted us to notify us that there were multiple cars and motorcycles parked in our driveway with a party going on inside After an investigation by the police, we found out our home had been listed on Airbnb by a host. We never rented our home, nor have given any individual permission to list our current home for rent. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Kind of scary. Yeah. If you're a con man, brilliant idea. Yes, definitely. Uh, It goes on. There were pictures attached to Airbnb posting from Zillow, as well as cell phone pictures taken from outside of our home, looking through the windows and glass doors to the inside, as well as pictures taken from inside of our home. The renters showed the police their rental confirmation, and the police were relatively uninterested because they said that this sort of thing happens all the time, that fake listings are put up and people show up and can't get in. But 
However, in this case, these people had been given instructions on how to access our home. Oh, okay. That's kind of scary. That's really yeah. scary. Honestly, like him getting inside, taking pictures and all that, that's kind yes. of scary. They must have known that these people lived out of town, that this was not their primary home, uh, that like no one was really ever home. Right, so. right. We have contacted Airbnb through several methods and been told that this will be addressed by the appropriate team. We've asked the call center operator to speak with a supervisor and she hung up. Three <laughs> days later, Airbnb still hasn't taken down the listing or returned our phone calls. There's clearly no sense of urgency on the part of Airbnb in assisting us with finding the person who is still out there and who really knows how to access our home. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Uh that pretty that's, fucking scary. That's a very yeah. scary story. I guess if I was them and I know it doesn't change what happened, but fucking change all the locks immediately and make sure all the window, you know, like make sure that bitch is locked up. Yes. Definitely. I mean, at least there are home like rental property like services that you could hire to just go in and change all the locks on your homes, do all that. I mean, you could do it yourself, just call a locksmith. But definitely you got to figure out a way, put bars on the window or something. I would definitely put a shitload of micro machines like right underneath every single window. So if he steps in there, he's going to sub his yes. feet. Paint cans hanging yep. from the, the yep. rafters also. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, it would be great. Just don't change any of the locks. Just have like a large dog like that you have roaming around your home. Fuck that. You get a goddamn like mountain lion or some shit put in there. <laughs> the next time that a guest comes to stay, they end up just getting mauled. No, oh, it's yeah. uh that's the bad thing. You would end up hurting the guests, not the not the bad guys. Because the bad guys probably haven't shown up there in months. Good call. Very good call. Yeah. It's not like they're cleaning the place out after they're not worried <laughs> about the reviews. No, so. they're not. Now, here is another story from Air, an Airbnb and host that was posted on March 27th, 2021. Relatively recently. Yes, both of these stories are relatively recent. Okay. So, I was an Airbnb and host for several years. In December, I was assaulted by Airbnb guests from Canada overstaying at my rental home. I called 911 and police officers photographed my injuries at the station. My Airbnb account was closed and the reservations were canceled. Jeez. The guest contacted me via text message about my account being closed before Airbnb sent me an email deactivating my account. Now here is the text message that they sent her. Hey, exclamation mark. I heard you can't list your house on Airbnb anymore. So sad. So bad. Uh, what's that? Like uh, frowny, frowny face. Emoji? face. Frowny face. Yeah. Yep. Next one is good luck. Then she types back, don't contact me ever again. They contact, all right, bye, with a crying, laughing emoji. Oh, my God. Th these are Canadians. Yes, they are Canadians. So I think they might be fake Canadians. Possibly. This is not very nice. Not very nice is behavior. Did they say why they were fighting? Uh, no, they just overstayed their welcome. Okay. So they were kind of, you know just hanging out past their like squatting, I guess. I'm not sure if it was to the point of squatting yet. Uh, she doesn't really mention in her, her uh, post, but well, they do say Canadians get awfully violent if they haven't had Molson's in a few days. That is true. This I mean, it is, that. it is, it's crazy 
that they are so brash that they just sent her this text. Like they knew there wasn't anything she could do about it. Probably means they've done it before. Yeah. So she goes on to say, I was coping with my husband's loss and to be attacked inside my own home was very difficult for me. Airbnb indicated that they would open a claim for my property damage loss. To this date, no such claim has been opened. The sheriff's investigator contacted Airbnb law enforcement department who refused her request for the guest's identity. She indicated that she attempted to search for the guest's name using department resources and did not get a return. She noted that the Airbnb guests used false information to make the booking. So, I mean, you can kind of understand Airbnb's thing there. If somebody uses false information to make these bookings, right? the problem is you should have to have ironclad identification to, right. to book anything on this site. You so. would assume, you would assume, but they just want the money. Yeah, definitely. So the next story is also from a host, and it's posted on July 5th, 2016. So, dot, dot, dot. My husband and I rent a condo out through Airbnb in Southern California, and in the past month, we have had terrible guests. These people have stolen things off the wall. They've stolen brand new sheets and towels. The worst is probably the people who left garbage bags strewn around the entire condo. Then to top it off in the bathroom, they defecated on the floor next to the toilet. Perhaps they didn't want to use the toilet that they had covered in layers of vomit. I'm totally disgusted by people and really don't want to rent through Airbnb anymore. So, yeah, the uh, the five-star feces review yeah. like you were talking about has been used. Clearly, the Californians just don't understand the you Pittsburgh know, method. The, the Pittsburgh review right there. Um, yes. The vomiting's interesting. That must have been maybe they kind of lived in, uh, in Philadelphia as well, but were mostly located <laughs> in uh, Pittsburgh. I, they're from Pennsylvania. We know that for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Possibly possibly Dan Marino himself. <laughs> Maybe. Well, if there was a uh, hidden family staying there, then we would know it's <laughs> Dan Marino. His secret yes. family. <laughs> so this last story I have is actually from a guest, and it is from June 5th, 2017. My family and I rented a, a house in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada from... I'm going to not say their names, but the last names are Smith and Hamilton through Airbnb for two months in the summer of 2016. The house was a mess. When we moved in, garbage everywhere, really filthy and stunk real bad. They had a cockroach infestation. The house was a gut job. Everything was falling apart. Bad neighborhood basically was a meth house. We thought we'd be good and not get bed bugs. But sure enough, a few days into our rental, we were infested. This house was really bad off. Needs to be torn down. Gross. Oh, man. That sounds yes. disgusting. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, you, when you really think about, like, really bad experiences with Airbnb, you think of, oh, it must be like a terrible guest, you know, just tearing someone's house apart. No, there are also hosts on there who just put these, like, basically a meth house on Airbnb just because they own the cheapest properties they can and don't take care of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe i don't want to quote but i think someone told me once they were going to some it was a different country in the caribbean i believe and they had rented a home through airbnb and when they got there there's like cockroaches on the bench like the home looked really nice but it was like infested yep. with bugs um, yeah so yeah but i think they got their money back i believe 
Yeah, that's good. Not everyone gets their money back. It is nice to hear when it happens. That's kind of the problem with, so if you live in certain parts of the country or the world, I mean, it's just impossible to keep the bugs out. Really? Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. If you, if you see scorpions in someone's house here in Arizona, it doesn't mean that they're a dirty person. It just means that they have, it's Arizona and they're scorpions. Right. You know? Right. Just like with flies in the Midwest. Yeah. You're going to see flies. There's fucking cow shit everywhere. <sighs> yeah. You can't get away from them. Yeah. Especially under fucking uh, people's boots. Flies, flies and mosquitoes. You're not going to get away from them. Oh, God. Fucking Minnesota. Mosquitoes as big as your fist. Yeah. They're a bird there. Oh, I hate them. Now, I did try to pick different stories that kind of highlighted different problems. Uh, there's also some stories from Airbnb Hell from guests who dealt with really creepy hosts. Now, these were hosts who rented out rooms in their homes to unsuspecting guests and either verbally or physically assaulted them. Uh, with one of the commenters on Airbnb Hell making the comment that, what kind of person would you expect to allow people to rent out a room in their home with them being there at the time? Yeah, it's I think kind of makes sense. It does. This is kind of where I think it gets really weird is if you're renting out your property, but the person's still in the house with you. I, I don't yes. know. I think that's kind of weird. Yeah, I would never I would never do that situation. Right. Uh, at all. I think that's that's one of the aspects of this site. I can't believe anyone ever did it, but it's the weird thing is it's how the site was supposed to be in the beginning. They thought that everyone would just be like really nice, like, you know, California types who would just invite people in their home and take them around the city. They totally didn't see like the commercialization aspect of this. Right. I so. mean, I'm pretty sure on Craigslist people Ugh. like I know this is even scarier than any of <laughs> on this Craig on Craigslist. The advertisement is for simulated fucking sexual assault, though. <laughs> well, I'm saying I people post, I think, like, hey, I'm in town. I'm looking for somewhere to stay for a few days, like offering Ugh. X amount of dollars. Yeah, I don't I this sounds terrifying. I don't even know who the fuck does that stuff. But apparently some people do. I'll offer you half a 40 of Bud Light and fucking loose cigarette I found on the street. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it was just, there's, I only really wanted to just, you know, mention a few of them, but there's just a ton of terrible reviews. Just people who have been forced to stay in dangerous homes and a lot, like everything really you saw in common with all of these stories was the customer service for Airbnb really didn't Terrible. help. And that million dollar guarantee like never got spoken of. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now kind of turn in the corner a little bit in a different direction on this. We're going to talk about the economic impact uh, and the pushback from the establishment on what Airbnb is doing from government and business. Okay. Now, with this new form of business still in its emphases, uh, city builders really did not foresee the vast increase in demand for housing in many cities. Really, a lot of this is coupled with the total shutdown in home building that came across like most cities after the bottom fell out of the housing market in 2008-9, and also the very much unforeseen housing crunch brought on by 0% interest rates after the end of COVID. So renters and buyers are really having a difficult time finding affordable housing to buy and rent in cities across the country right now. 
And this is a lot in part because new housing developments really take years to complete and the purchasing of affordable housing for the first time home buyers is forcing people like kind of like by myself to to keep paying the ever increasing rates for rental homes and apartments in many cities. And this is not helped out by Airbnb. Basically, a lot of these properties are being bought up and put straight on Airbnb's marketplace. Yeah. 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 That's uh yeah, it's we're kind of in a weird flux right now, aren't we? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it seems like especially in the city I'm living in, I was looking for a home to buy over the past maybe five months. And you would be looking at Zillow at you would save uh, a listing. And then the next day it would have those all of those listings you had seen the next day sold. And they would have all brand new ones, which basically means people were seeing were buying these properties sight unseen. They were buying them without even looking at the properties first. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's a rough one. I mean, I I I don't know for sure, but I'm I w- if I had to venture to guess, it's going to be cooling down here within by the end of this year. Um, I think it's already started to see a little see a little bit of a slowdown. Yeah, a, a big problem is too a lot of these investment companies. Uh, are coming in and just buying up these properties with cash offers. So there's no real competition between people who maybe have to go to a bank and get a loan. They're just coming in with cash and bulldozing all the other offers. So Yeah, yeah, it's shitty. It's shitty when they do that. A lot of them will just turn them around, like flip it and put it right on Airbnb or just rent it out to people. So a a lot of the buying opportunities are being taken away. So, gotcha. Yes, yes, that is a very good point. Yeah. Also, Californians who are fleeing their homes right now, trying to get away from martial law and tax gouging, they're also <laughs> moving to moving to other states too. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's what we would call a bit too many people in California. I would say. Yeah. Well, just like Joe Rogan moving out to Texas. Yeah, don't don't worry. It won't be long before (laughs) him and his other rich cronies destroy that area as well. So there's that. Definitely. Now, another impact that is being seen by the rush of subletting and buying up of properties to not only be used as short-term vacation stays is the loss of locals that live in cultural areas of the cities, really making the arts districts that have given the cities their local flair more and more becoming like cheap and tourist resorts only inhabited part-time by sightseers and vacationers. This really does hurt the businesses and shops that depended on the full-time residents, kind of like just forcing their closures and allowing the large corporate shops and stores to come in and just kind of stomp out any local touch that maybe this district had under the boot of their corporate structure. Yeah. Yeah, capitalism. Ooh, if I had a little flag, I'd be waving it right now. Um, yep. No, the... <laughs> The thing is, at first when you said this, I'm like, well, it might cheapen the experience, right? If if people are kind of just coming there quickly and then leaving, but I guess it hurts in the aspect that not that people are coming there and seeing it, it's that the big business sees an opportunity for them to make money, thus destroying the original business owners, right? Is that what you're kind of see, getting at, like strong arming them? Yeah. Well, I I kind of thought about it 
like this. Imagine if you wanted to visit Paris and you, you know, you flew into the airport, you went and you kind of wanted to stay in an area. When you went into that area, you would want to see like French people at the cafes and at the little shops and everything. You would want to be amongst like the local people, the real French, you know, Frenchmen and women. But instead, all you are is just around a bunch of tourists just taking pictures and, you know, kind of doing the cheap touristy shit. It's kind of what it's turning into. Well, okay, here's a real question. Do you really go anywhere to enjoy people who are sitting there, or do you go to enjoy sites, buildings, whatever? I like seeing regular people when I go into a city. Really? Okay. See, yeah. I I guess I wouldn't really care, to be honest with you, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I'd be more interested in like whatever sites you want to see or... I guess you technically need the people who work in restaurants or whatever to be there. But that's just me. That's how I like to travel. But then again, I'm introverted and I don't really like people that much either. Or I don't like to be around a lot of them. Yeah, that's why I kind of just like to blend in. I like to yeah. pretend kind of like I'm, you know, one of the locals. That's why I don't talk to a lot of people. <laughs> it was it was kind of funny. We were on a so I was my mom was visiting me and we went to Madrid and we were on the train, and she cannot handle silence at all. So if we're just sitting there not talking, she'll have to, like, start speaking. And I had to look over at her and be like, if, unless you want to get robbed, please be quiet. Because we, we were on kind of like a in like a shady train, like shady part of town a little bit. Mm. So I was like, Mom, just please, please shut up. <laughs> it's late at night. We're on a fucking train here. Stop uh, your mom, Your mom would have fucked them up if they tried anything. Yeah, I I don't think so. Yeah, Tom give her a little more credit. Me. Give her a little more credit. All right. Another part of major cities that have its former residents feeling squeezed out is lower income parts of those cities that are going through problems with gentrification. Seeing its residents being forced out of their rentals only to have the owners sell to out-of-town investment firms with those apartments and homes quickly becoming listings on Airbnb. Now, when this happens, these parts of the cities become ghost towns during the week with an influence of young middle-class vacationers, which raises the price of goods in the shops and stores, further pushing out the local residents. Right, right. So kind of what you got or getting at in that aspect, if I'm reading it correctly, it's not necessarily Airbnb's fault but it no. is the byproduct of greedy capitalists just like trying to suckle every dime they can out of any opportunity they see fit. Yeah, this isn't Airbnb's fault, really, because they don't actually own any of these properties. It's all kind of like it's and the the tiers of like ownership it's getting like larger and larger and larger. Yeah. So yeah. it's these, now it's all these giant corporations owning just tons and tons of property. Right. So. It's, it's kind of like this. You got the Bible, right? Whoever wrote the Bible, technically pretty harmless. It's the people who make it evil, isn't it? Who put their bullshit in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, the people who follow <laughs> it and turn ze- into zealots or whatever you know like get crazy about it yes yeah I, I suppose i could see what you're saying yeah i know it's not the best analogy but i'm just saying no, it's not it's not at all yeah but, <laughs> so on. i mean 
Yeah, it's not uh, it's not McDonald's fault that people are getting fat, but they are facilitating the weight gain. Right. Basically. Right. Yeah. So also there is uh, another per- like problem I'm going to mention. So just as I mentioned how some people living in apartments and condos can be forced out of their housing by rising rates and lease renewal cancellations. Uh, what happens to many residents of condos and apartment complexes who are actually able to pay the higher rates and withstand the pressure to leave? These people often find themselves living with nightmare neighbors on the weekends, with vacationers wanting to play loud music and party all night. They'll be throwing huge ragers and destroying public property and kind of like just really harassing the residents while they're at it. Now, these residents will find themselves kind of living in an unstaffed hotel, being the victims of neighbors who will just kind of leave town the next day, and there will be no accountability from anyone. And that includes Airbnb customer service or local police, who the local police and sheriff's offices are very just also fed up with the recurring calls. They're fed up with the problem, too. Yeah, I I can't, I mean, I can't blame those people because honestly that'd be really fucking annoying if one of my neighbors was renting out his property and having nothing but parties all the time from random people who are rent you know renting it out i'd be get really fucking annoyed yeah especially if you lived in like what was a few years ago a quiet little apartment complex or neighborhood right you know right i here's the thing i'm wondering may i don't know if you can talk about but Let's say like the apartment complex you live in, they're probably owned by some sort of property management company. I would assume they have something deeply buried in there that says you're not allowed to do that. Well, yeah. So I'm going to get into it in a little bit. It's What you're talking about is actually called subletting. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So right now... Like the Okay. So the apartment complex that I live in, they're not allowing anyone to sublet. And if you put, so say you rent your property from the owners and then you put your little apartment on Airbnb, that's called subletting. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. So this is uh, kind of a problem with when the apartment complex puts their apartments on Airbnb, not when someone like sublets their apartments out. Oh, okay. I got, that's the problem. That's. Yeah, so the basically the whole, the housing managers were putting their like little apartments on Airbnb. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That ma- that makes complete sense then. Okay, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to get into that actually right now for another problem in rental properties is renters subletting out their homes and apartments without the owner's permission. Now, this forces their neighbors and the leasing offices to have to deal with the repercussions of random guests wreaking havoc at all times of the night, not aware that they are basically living next to that unstaffed hotel room. Yeah, I could totally see like a random property management company's like, hmm, we're not making enough money here. Let's rent some of these rooms out to Airbnb (laughs) and they don't care because they don't have to fucking live there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you imagine if you have one of the, these apartments. Imagine if you live close to like Viking Stadium or where the Twins play or the Wild or whoever, you know, the Timberwolves. Well, no one really watches the Timberwolves. But imagine if you like had an apartment complex close to one of those things. You could like during their football season or baseball or basketball, you could put that on Airbnb and every week you could have, so the Wild and the Timberwolves play in the same 
building, right? No. You could have... Oh, they don't play in the same building no, anymore? No, they have their own. They have their own. Oh, okay. Well, that analogy still works. <laughs> so basically, every week, there's maybe, you know, one or two home games. You could have all of your rental properties kind of, you know, basically paying a full month's rent from just these games that happen during the month. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you could. You yeah. absolutely could. There is a few more things to talk about with Airbnb. I mean, it's kind of in its infancy. There are a lot of problems with predators using the sites that we kind of mentioned a little bit. Um, there's, you know, people who not only have dirty homes up on the site, but also dangerous homes where kind of like these homes are falling apart and they really should be condemned. I mean, how, like after hearing about all of this, how do you feel about Airbnbs now? And are you still willing to stay in an Airbnb? (sighs) Yes. And I'm only going to say I am because I am not the type of individual who's going to, uh, I don't know, cause trouble, I guess. Although I think a hotel like can kind of average out into the same price as Airbnb anymore because honestly, the last time I did it, the Airbnb is not that much cheaper than a fucking hotel room. And, uh, but I guess you get less privacy than you do, let's say, if you rent out somebody's condo or some shit. So, I don't know. I would do it, but that's only because I know I'm not, I would say me and the other, what, 90 plus percent of people aren't the troublemakers, I guess. Or have had good experiences, haven't really had the terrible experiences yet. Yeah. I would say, like, when it comes to my, if I stay at a place by myself, if it's just me, I'll stay in a hotel room. Yeah. But if I have, like, a group of people, you might as well just rent out a whole condo on Airbnb. Everyone has a bed. Maybe even everyone has their own room. You have a pool there that is, like, in Arizona, basically all of these Airbnbs have a pool. So that's kind of nice. Or you're staying in someone's guest house pool, you know, pool house, whatever. So that's kind of nice to have that feature. I think that's that's a good point. And I'm going to go out on a limb and assume you and if you were staying with a group of people aren't going to trash the fucking house. No, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do the dishes and mop the floors. Yeah. I mean, well, we're from the Midwest, so we'll probably you know make it look nice. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people are willing to take out the trash and clean the dishes. Yeah. You know, I clean up after themselves. I'm I'm just gonna say my speculation is a lot more people have good experiences than have had bad ones, but the bad ones definitely leave a bad taste in your mouth. Well, it's just like when you're you know reading reviews for a podcast. Yeah. Maybe you have a hundred reviews. And 99% of them are good. The one that's really going to stick out at you is that one really bad one. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to, you got to ignore the negativity. Just ignore all of them and, you know, all the bad ones. Right. But I mean, that's kind of it for, for this part one of the episode. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about Uber and Lyft. Hell yeah. So kind of more the gig economy. Okay. I, I have a feeling, uh, those two particular services probably have even worse experience attaches to them. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. uh there's also a lot I've been reading about some of the bad experiences on those sites and they get pretty, pretty rough. So I, yeah, I would imagine, make sure you include the Jameis Winston one, because he is a famous person who was a creep with a, uh, Uber driver, I believe, or a Lyft driver. One of the two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a fucking weirdo. Anyway, if you guys like the show uh, and you want to, maybe you are a proprietor of an Airbnb location or you fancy yourself staying in them regularly and you want to contact us, where can they do that, Phil? Yeah, definitely if you've had a nightmare experience with Airbnb, Hell yeah. you can get a hold of us at our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've had a lot of good uh, interaction with some fans. We actually got one from a guy in uh, Sweden. His name was Paul. He actually, I am going to read a little bit. He, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. So he was telling us about school lunches in Sweden. I just wanted to thank him for the message. I did ask him if they had, because I know you were interested in if they would have reindeer for yeah. lunch in Sweden. <laughs> and he said that he was in the South, so they don't really eat reindeer down there. That's more of a Northern thing. Gotcha. So, okay. There it he is. Did, he did say that the lunches were pre-prepared though. So mostly, you know, from a different site location, but thank you for that email. That's great. If you guys want to send us an email, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can also hit us up on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Probably the best way to get a hold of us. And like me and Cody, we both check it quite a bit. Cody and I both also have our own Instagrams. Mine is SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, follow my personal Instagram at CodyZabub. And sometimes I post memes and stuff like that. Um, the last thing we need you guys to do is if you are still listening to the show on iTunes, please take a few minutes and leave the show a five-star view. doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars and some typed word there. But for most of you who are currently listening on Spotify, all you got to do is hit that follow button. And uh, basically all it does is keeps you updated when we drop a new episode. And thank you so much to everybody who has done that. Phil, spectacular episode. I cannot wait to listen to part two next week and hear about the probably even more famous Uber and Lyft companies. Yeah, and they have... Even more, you know, horror stories Absolutely. online. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.